the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. God wants us to know that there's a judgment. There's a judgment at the end of the age. He came as the lamb to take away our sins. He's coming back as the fierce lion to judge the earth with his wrath. For you and I that know Christ, all of our sin was judged already on the cross. He already took the wrath of God that we deserve on the cross, and he paid for our wrath with his own blood. Judgment isn't always negative. We judge people and situations based on our past in order to safeguard our future. But even that judgment is biased. What if our justice system was flawless and people got exactly what they deserved? Pastor Dan reminds us today that we will have an ultimate judgment day, and when that day comes, it won't be humans doing the judging, but God. Don't get caught up in everyone else's opinion of you. Follow God, because when the time comes, His is the only opinion that will matter. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 25, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. The message of the prophets in the Old Testament was repent. The message of Jesus was repent. The message of the church and the apostles was repent. Do you think repentance is important to God? Yeah, it sure is. It's very important to him. The Bible says we all sin, and so we we all need to repent. The word repent, it means to change your mind about what you're doing. Change your mind about the way you're living and to then change your behavior. Change your direction. Stop what you're doing. Turn around. Go the other way is the idea. The people of Judah ignored Jeremiah for 23 years. They ignored all the other prophets that God sent to them. They ignored the stop signs. They ignored the warning lights. They just continued on in their sin, just ignoring it, and they refused to repent. And the Lord says, you wouldn't listen. Not that they couldn't hear. They heard what was being said. They just wouldn't listen. In fact, he mentions that several times in this chapter that they wouldn't listen. I think it's four times he mentions it. It's almost like a parent who is warning their child of a consequence if they don't change their behavior. And the parent is saying over and over, you wouldn't listen to me. I I told you not to do this and you wouldn't listen to me. So now, goes on, verse 8. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words... Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, says the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land, against its inhabitants, 
and against these nations all around and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment, meaning people will be astonished when they see the devastation, a hissing of perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstone. You would use a millstone to grind grain to make you know, wheat for, or flour for bread. So this is like a common everyday work, household work. The sound of the millstone, the light of the lamp in the homes. Notice here, go back up, he says in verse 9, he refers to Nebuchadnezzar as my servant. That doesn't mean that Nebuchadnezzar was godly. It just means that God used him to fulfill his plan and to fulfill his purposes. Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan, heathen king. In Isaiah, God refers to King Cyrus as my anointed one. Right? And Cyrus was, was a pagan. God is sovereign. God can use anyone he wants to fulfill his purposes and his plans. In the New Testament, he uses Caesar Augustus to move a very pregnant Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem so that she gives birth to the Messiah in the town of Bethlehem, just as it's prophesied in Micah 5, 2, where the Messiah would be born. How do you get a woman who is nine months pregnant to make that trip on foot, a very difficult, rugged trip to make. Well, you have a decree issued by Caesar Augustus that all of the world must participate in this census, and that's what moves them from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. God can use anybody to fulfill his purposes. He says again in verse 10, he's going to take away the voice of mirth, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstone, the light of the lamp. The people ignored the warnings and they just continued on with their life as usual. And so when the judgment came, it came as a surprise to the people. Even though God warned them over and over and over that the Babylonians are going to come, they ignored it. And so when it actually happened, they're surprised. They're just going about their life as if nothing's ever going to happen to them. We're told in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus uses a very similar description to describe how things will be in the world when the tribulation begins, when God's wrath is poured out on this world. People will be eating and drinking and getting married and giving in marriage. They'll just be living their life as normal until the day that judgment comes and they'll be surprised by the judgment. And this whole land, verse 11, shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So that's how long the captivity will take place. This is the first time that the length of the captivity is mentioned, where we're told exactly how long they'll be in Babylon. They'll be in Babylon 70 years. It's mentioned here first. Now, why 70 years? Well, turn with me back to Second Chronicles 36. Now, look at verse 15. It says, And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, the prophets, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place, the temple. That's why he's warning them, because he has compassion on them. He loves them. But they mocked the messengers of God. They despised his words. They scoffed at his prophets until 
the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Therefore, he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin, on the aged or the weak. He gave them all into his hand and all the articles from the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of his leaders. All these he took to Babylon. Then they burned the house of God, broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious possessions. And those who escaped, verse 20, from the sword he carried away to Babylon and his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. So 70 years was to fulfill the Sabbath law. Now, what's the Sabbath law? Well, go back with me to Leviticus 25. We tend to think of the Sabbath as just one day of the week, you know, Saturday. And that's the Sabbath day. Well, there's more to the Sabbath than just the one day of the week. In Leviticus 25, beginning in verse 3, it says, Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year... There shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. What grows of its own accord of your harvest, you shall not reap nor gather the grapes of your untended vine. For it is a year of rest for the land and the Sabbath produce of the land shall be food for you, for your male and female servants, your hired men, and the stranger who dwells with you for your livestock, and the beasts that are in your land, all its produce shall be for food. So there's the Sabbath day, but there's also the Sabbath year. Every seventh year, they're to just let their land go fallow. They're not to care for their vineyards or care for their crops. They're not to harvest or anything or maintain their their fields. They're just to allow the fields to go fallow for the whole year. And so every seven years, they're supposed to take a year off. You would think this would be one of the laws that they would keep. God's saying, you've got to take a whole year off every seven years. But their hearts are so hard, they don't even take a year off from work for that year. They just kept working. So they never kept the Sabbath year. And so what happens now? They failed to keep the Sabbath year every seven years. They've been in the land a total of 490 years. So that's 70 Sabbath years. And so what God's going to do now, he's going to force them into exile for 70 years so that the land gets its Sabbath. Now they're going to take their Sabbaths all 70 years right in a row. And Jeremiah later on, in chapter 29, he's going to write a letter. And he's, you know, that's when he says, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and hope. And he's going to write a letter to those that are in captivity in Babylon. And he's going to tell them, Go ahead and build houses. Go ahead and get married. Go ahead and have kids because you're going to be there for 70 years. So go ahead and settle down there in Babylon because you're not coming back for 70 years. So that's why it's going to be 70 years. It's going to be 70 years because 
They have failed to keep the Sabbath year for 490 years. So they have failed to keep the Sabbath year for 70 years total. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. Now, verse 12. Then it will come to pass when 70 years are completed that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, says the Lord, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. If you go to Babylon today, it is a wasteland. It's a desolation. So I will bring on that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, all that is written in this book which Jeremiah has prophesied concerning all the nations. For many nations and great kings shall be served by them also, and I will repay them according to their deeds and according to the works of their own hands. So after the 70 years are ended, God will punish the Babylonians. God used the Babylonians as his instrument of judgment against the people of Judah, but now he's also going to punish them for their iniquity. He'll judge them for iniquity. He says, I will repay them according to their deeds and according to their works of their own hands. So they're not exempt from God's judgment. And understand too, they're not exempt from God's judgment just because they worship a different God. That's something that is kind of popular in our culture today, that you know, if you worship a different God, that's, that's fine. Uh, But there's a judgment. And everyone will be judged by the one true God. Whether they, they believe in that God or they believe in a different God or not. Verse 15, for thus says the Lord God of Israel to me, take this wine cup of fury from my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. And they will drink and stagger and go mad because of the sword that I will send among them. And so now God uses this picture here of a wine cup, and it's a cup of God's fury. It's a cup of God's judgment. And God tells Jeremiah to take this cup to the nations that he's going to send him to. And and it's talking about the judgment of the nations. And God uses this symbolism of a cup of judgment several times in the Bible. We see it in Psalm 75, verse 8, for example. Where it says, for in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red, it is fully mixed, and he pours it out. Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down. And that's what's being described here now in the second half of chapter 25. The nations of the earth drinking the cup of God's fury, the cup of God's wrath. In the New Testament, if you remember, when Jesus is in Gethsemane, what does he pray? Let this cup pass from me. What is he talking about? He's talking about the cup of God's judgment. The cup of God's wrath. 
and the cup couldn't pass from him. And so Jesus, when he's on the cross, he's taking the wrath of God. He's drinking the cup of wrath on our behalf for our sins. And again, he tells them here in verses 15 and 16, take this cup to the nations and tell them to drink from it. And they will drink and stagger and go mad because of the sword that I will send among them. Then I took the cup from the Lord's hand and I made all the nations drink to whom the Lord had sent me Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, its kings and its princes to make them a desolation an astonishment, a hissing and a curse as it is this day. So he goes to Jerusalem first and the kings of Judah. Judgment begins at the house of the Lord, at the house of God. So he begins with God's people here. From there, verse 19, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, his servants, his princes, and all his people. He goes to Egypt. Now, we don't know whether he went to these nations or he invited these nations to come. All the mixed multitude, all the kings of the land of Uz, that's where Job was from. All the kings of the land of the Philistines, namely Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, and the remnant of Ashdod, Edom, Moab, and the people of Ammon. All the kings of Tyre and all the kings of Sidon to the north of the land of Israel. And the kings of the coastlands which are across the sea. Dedan, Tima, Buzz, and all who are in the farthest corners. All the kings of Arabia, so the Arabian Peninsula. All the kings of the mixed multitude who dwell in the desert. All the kings of Zimri. All the kings of Elam. All the kings of the Medes. All the kings of the north. Far and near one with another, and all the kingdoms of the world which are on the face of the earth, also the king of Shishak shall drink after them. What he's describing here, it, it, it has kind of a double fulfillment. He's talking about the kingdoms of his day, but it's also describing the judgment that's going to come upon the earth in the last days when God pours out his wrath upon the earth in what's called the tribulation period, and the nations of the earth are judged. He goes on in verse 27, Therefore you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Drink, be drunk, and vomit. (laughs) How would you like that message? Here's what I want you to say to them. Drink, be drunk, and vomit. (laughs) Fall and rise no more because of the sword which I will send among you. And it shall be if they refuse to take the cup from your hand to drink, then you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, You shall certainly drink. For behold, I begin to bring calamity on the city which is called by my name, Jerusalem. And should you be utterly unpunished? God says here, if I punish my own people for their sin, should you be unpunished? You know, should the pagan nations be unpunished if God judges his own people? You shall not be unpunished, for I will call for a sword on all the inhabitants of the earth, says the Lord of hosts. Again, he's looking down to the tribulation period. When God pours out his wrath upon the whole earth, and the nations will be judged. Therefore prophesy against them all these words and say to them, The Lord will roar from on high and utter his voice from his holy habitation. He will roar mightily against his fold. He will give a shout as those who tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. When Jesus came the first time, he came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, right? 
When he comes again the second time, he comes as the lion of the tribe of Judah, as the king of kings and lord of lords. And here you see him portrayed roaring as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Verse 31, a noise will come to the ends of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with the nations. He will plead his case with all flesh. He will give those who are wicked to the sword, says the Lord. You know, this is describing uh, the great white throne judgment here. When those who've not trusted in Christ for salvation will stand before his throne and be judged according to their deeds. And he's got a controversy. He's got a case against them, is the idea. And he'll make his case against them at the great white throne judgment. And then he will give those who are wicked to the sword, says the Lord. And thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, disaster shall go forth from nation to nation, and a great whirlwind shall be raised up from the farthest part of the earth. And at that day the slain of the Lord shall be from one end of the earth even to the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented or gathered or buried. They shall become refuse on the ground. Wail, shepherds, and cry. The shepherds are the leaders of the nations. Roll about in the ashes. Now, typically, if somebody was mourning, they would put ashes on their forehead. Here the Lord is saying, you need to roll around in the ashes because this is going to be really bad, you leaders of the flock. For the days of your slaughter and your dispersions are fulfilled. You shall fall like a precious vessel. And the shepherds will have no way to flee, no refuge, nor the leaders of the flock to escape. A voice of the cry of the shepherds and a wailing of the leaders to the flock will be heard, for the Lord has plundered their pasture, and the peaceful dwellings are cut down because of the fierce anger of the Lord. He has left his lair like a lion, for their land is desolate, because of the fierceness of the oppressor and because of his fierce anger. And we see this described for us in the book of Revelation. The last few chapters of Revelation in particular, with Jesus coming back with his robe dipped in blood to judge the earth for its wickedness. You know, judgment is mentioned in the Bible over 500 times. God wants us to know that there's a judgment. There's a judgment at the end of the age. He came as the lamb to take away our sins. He's coming back as the fierce lion to judge the earth with his wrath. For you and I that know Christ, all of our sin was judged already on the cross. He already took the wrath of God that we deserve on the cross. And he paid for our wrath with his own blood. But for us now, we have the great commission to go into the world and tell people, to warn people, that God is a God who will judge this earth and God has provided one way to escape that judgment. His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way that God has provided. And that's the message that we take to the world. There's a judgment coming, but God has provided a way of escape. And that's in the person of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. He asked me how I know. 
When you look at the book of Jeremiah at a glance, it seems like the overarching theme is judgment and negative consequence. But as you take a closer look, you're given a microscopic lens into the heart of God. Yes, there was judgment and eventual exile. But think about how long-suffering and patient God was in giving them multiple chances to repent from their ways and separate from their sin. What an amazing and hopeful picture of God's heart toward you. He is just and fair in handing out consequences to those who willfully go against what he's offering. But like a patient parent, he gives grace and mercy when you vacillate between following him and venturing elsewhere. Ultimately, God wants you to choose him wholeheartedly, and he wants to bless you. Take the book of Jeremiah as a continual reminder that God is gracious and merciful but he'll bring judgment on those who refuse his ways. If you want to talk to someone and better understand what all of this means, don't hesitate to call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth. Feel free to study this book on your own in the meantime. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will share more from the book of Jeremiah and provide a deeper understanding of how to apply it to your life here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice and it only takes Rings true.